0: In the violence that day, four Kent State students were killed. Two were girls. The father of 19-year-old Allison Krause of Pittsburgh reacted emotionally to the news of his daughter's death. She resented being called a bum because she disagreed with someone else's opinion. She felt that war in Cambodia was wrong. Is this dissent a crime? Is this a reason for killing her? Have we come to such a state in this country that a young girl has to be shot because she disagrees deeply with the actions of her government? I want something to be done.
1: Okay, that was Anton Karas and the third man, of course. Our usual music, and at the uh, top was something different. It uh, wasn't a speech about Julian Assange. That was the father of uh, a woman by the name of Allison Krauss, who was one of the four students murdered on May 4th, 1970, 50 years ago today. Uh, I'm Randy Credico. This is Randy Credico live on the fly. Assange Countdown to Freedom, as I said, we're doing something different today. Um, we are uh, going to talk about Julian Assange a little bit today. Uh, our our guest, we have uh, one guest, uh, and that is uh, Laura Krause, the sister of uh, Allison uh, Krause, and also Nathan uh, Fuller will be on after her to give uh, you all an update on uh, what's happening with the Assange case and events surrounding it. Um, I don't know where to start here. You know, my sister uh, died yesterday, and I had planned to uh, scrap the show today. And I was told, look, by people close to me, you should do this because, you know, Laura Laurel Krause lost her sister 50 years ago. And, uh, you know, you can identify with her, uh, the fact that you lost your sister. It was a very devastating uh, loss for me. Uh, yesterday. And I said, I I can't do this. And I was in a very bad funk. But uh, this morning, I decided that uh, I should do it uh, therapeutically for me. And uh, this is a very important issue. It's 50 years ago today that this uh, entire uh, uh, massacre happened at uh, Kent State. So, um, you know, there'll be a little... uh, bumps along the road here because i'm up in woodstock or near woodstock uh doing this show i'm doing it inside of a car through zoom and the uh sound app only through zoom so uh, it, you know we're, we're doing it we're going through with it um and uh, i will uh, begin by going back Fifty years uh, on the day that this happened, I remember very well. I was 16 years old, and I saw the news report. And I don't know if I saw this one, if I saw one with Walter Cronkite or somebody else. But this is David Brinkley. And I'm playing this one because uh, we'll talk about this with Laurel. That um, that this pretty much typified the cover up of what happened. The narrative, the narrative uh, was totally perverted uh, by the news media. Uh, back then. And so, uh, this is David Brinkley's uh, rendition that day of the events that took place at Kent State. Off
2: tonight. I'm David Brinkley, NBC News. Kent State University in Ohio has had campus violence for three nights, causing the National Guard to be called in, and today the guardsmen opened fire on the students, killing four of them, two young men and two young women. Three were shot in the chest and one in the head. A dozen or more others were wounded, some by gunfire and some by bayonets. The university is closed and all faculty and students have been sent home. The students were protesting the American invasion of Cambodia.
3: The National Guard was called in over the weekend by Ohio Governor James Rhodes. Today, when 1,500 students started an anti-war rally on the university commons, the guardsmen surrounded them Then when some students started throwing rocks, the guard moved in with tear gas. forced up a hill by the tear gas, some of them started throwing gas canisters back at the guardsmen, others threw rocks. Then a formation of guardsmen marched up the hill and fired their rifles at the students. were killed and at least a dozen other students were wounded. It took university officials two hours to disperse the students. Then the university was closed for the remainder of the week. The guard is sealed off the city. Assistant Adjutant General Frederick Wenger said later the guardsmen did not open fire until after they came under sniper fire themselves. Governor Rhodes has asked FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover to investigate the shootings. Fred DeBrine, NBC News, reporting.
1: Okay, as you can see, they blame it on the students, <laughs> unarmed students protesting uh, the bombing of Cambodia, women and children being bombed to smithereens, uh, but the news media uh, took the official line and uh, blamed it on the uh, 15, there were 10 or 15 students that threw uh, like, uh, you know, little rocks uh, and uh, sticks, and that was it, and they came back and they murdered four people. Uh, so uh, that's what you get. we'll talk to Laurel about that. Now getting back to Assange, um, he today, if he were out of Balmorish, he would be just tweeting out repeatedly uh, stuff about Kent State. That's what he would be doing on this day and WikiLeaks would be doing the same thing. They would be uh, commemorating this uh, really is a memorial day. Uh, uh, you know, event that took place 50 years ago, but he's not. However, he did talk about it in 2017 in an interview I did with him, July 26. He talked about Kent State. This woman called me last night. Uh, her name is Laura Krause. Uh, she's a sister of Allison Krause, who was the uh, uh, one of the uh, four that were killed uh, on May 4th. 1970 at Kent State. and she, Murdered in cold blood, yeah, shall we say. Right, murdered in cold blood by the National Guard. That's Dennis Bernstein. We'll get to you in a second. All right, so uh, she uh, said that WikiLeaks, and she really thanked God and had a lot of gratitude for WikiLeaks uh, preserving and getting some very, very uh, important documents. And I just thought I'd convey that to you. Uh, that Are you aware of that?
4: I have... <clears throat> I am aware, even as an Australian, this important part of, uh, of U.S. history. But uh, no, we didn't, interestingly, we didn't intend, uh, if you like, to specifically publish Kent State documents. It's part of one of our big archives of cable documents uh, called the Kissinger Cables uh, from the 1970s. But we know that uh, when you take the internal communications of the State Department or another major powerful organization that it tends to touch uh, on nearly everything. And the public's ability to uh, spot connections in your material uh, that are relevant at the time that you publish it and after, or in this case, even before, uh, greatly outstrips your own, that the public intelligence is much greater. And so I'm always filled with extreme irritation uh, with those journalists who sit upon hordes of uh, national historical treasure, you know, how how our human institutions in a variety of countries have actually behaved, uh, because the public's ability to understand it and connect it to their own personal histories, take it, and use it in litigation, use it uh, in political campaigns, is much greater uh, than the rather narrow and relatively Uh, provincial character of any particular journalist uh, or editor, uh, including me.
1: Okay. So there you go. If uh, Julian was around today, um, I mean he is around, but if he were out, if he were practicing his craft, he would be doing stuff all day commemorating this event. He knew how important, or he knows how important this day is, a flashpoint in U.S. history all right so um i think that's just about it um we'll uh, we'll talk to in depth with laurel krauss right after this music by neil young (music) okay uh neil young ohio we'll be playing uh the entire uh crosby stills nash and young version at the end of this program i'm randy credico this is randy credico live on the fly a special kent state memorial 50-year anniversary uh, program and uh, we are now as promised being joined by the sister of one of the slain students, uh, Allison Kraus, her sister Laurel Kraus. Uh, Laurel, thank you for um, on this uh, sad day of remembrance, uh, you know, agreeing to uh, do this interview.
5: I'm happy to be here on the 50th.
1: Yes. Well, uh, we played a. Um, I want to go back to that date on uh, May 4th, uh, 1970, and we played uh, at the top um uh, a a little um interview very short interview um, of your uh, father uh, arthur Krauss um, can you uh, tell us uh, go back to that day and what it was like uh, when uh, you got the news
5: uh yes i'm i'm it's it's a honor for me to re to return to this today and to share it with you and your viewers, your listeners. Um, I got off the school bus. I was a 15-year-old. My sister Allison Krauss is a 19-year-old. Uh, she was an honor student at Kent State University. Um, uh, she had always wanted to go to Kent State since she was a little kid. Um, and I, As far back as I can remember, she was four years older than me. She was 19 when she was killed on May 4th, and um, uh, she was protesting the Vietnam War on her campus, and we can get into what happened there in another <laughs> conversation, but uh, she, she was killed along with three others, uh, Willie, uh, San, uh, Jeffrey Miller, Bill Schroeder, and Sandy three The four of them were uh, killed at Kent State by Ohio National Guard government bullets. And uh, uh, Sandy and uh, Bill were changing classes, although they were real interested in watching what was going on because it was just so uh, um, unusual to have military personnel wearing tear gas and gas masks and all that. Um, That happened around uh, the shooting they call it the shootings instead of the massacre. And that's kind of like a little bit of a bother for me because it was a massacre uh, where the the guardsmen at the top of the hill, the highest point on the campus actually shot into a parking lot. It was like a a shooting into a fishbowl and they had these M ones that, you know, had very long range shooting and steel jacketed bullets and uh, they did a lot of damage. Nine were wounded. uh, the students uh, were really shocked uh, um, that the Ohio National Guard would march up a hill and then all turn in unison and then all shoot in unison and uh, and shoot at unarmed students with books. Well, they, they were
1: there they were there uh, protesting. Uh, the the protest had lasted uh, several days and then the uh, uh, National Guard shows up. Uh, were you communicating with your sister at this time? Was she communicating with with, with, with your parents uh, when all of this was going down? And uh, and her position was she she was there because she was uh, against the bombing of Cambodia, right?
5: Right. Um, well, it was a sequence of events, and, and you, what you learn now, what you know now is so different than what we were able to know then. Uh, but uh, April 30th, Nixon, President Nixon announced the Cambodian invasion on TV. Uh, uh, campuses across America ignited. Uh, the students who were going there were trying to stay out of the war. Uh, and uh, the, the uh, draft, there was a draft lottery going. And uh, the voting age at that time was 21. Uh, but the draft lottery age was 18. And so all that, the 18, 19, and 20-year-olds were being, uh, they weren't even being asked. They were, you know, demand, it was demanded of them that they go and they report. Uh, And uh, they had to do that. And and then they, you know, the draft lottery related to their birthday determined their fate. Or whether if they had enough money and and power to uh, buy their way out, like so many of our politicians have done with their history, like Biden and Trump, by the way. Um, Mm. And so. um, Bill Clinton. uh, what was that bill clinton bill clinton uh, the, all of them you know none of them had to serve oh why should they serve no only us uh we're the little people yeah. so i'm um, your son right that's Cross, right um, Creedence it, clearwater a, a, you know a fortunate son, is fortunate that son? yes right, right. and it, it's it says it all and it's always been like that and always will be like that you know with humanity you know it, this is feudal times it was like that So. Um, Anyhow, uh, I kind of lost myself here. Um, it's okay. We were talking about uh,
1: that day. You were, it was the uh, a- April 30th was the, uh, the oh, day. Oh, right. Okay, so he
5: did that and it, everything ignited. And, and then, you know, uh, we found out much later that, you know, the timing on that uh, presidential speech was a, was a little funny because it was late. Uh, it had to be earlier because the guardsmen were busy doing a wildcat strike in Ohio. And it had ended early, earlier than they thought. And they were in federalized role when they were there. And uh, uh, so what, what the commanders of the Ohio National Guard and people that were running the military and uh, law enforcement aspects of Ohio at that time, um, they put the guardsmen at bivouacking at schools around kent state university waiting for the president to give the speech no kidding really and so then he gives the speech and then the and and then things start igniting very quickly and guess who shows up immediately they show up immediately and they've got you know m1s with uh, bayonets and they're wearing full war regalia. They got the helmets. They got the, you know, the tear gas. They got the whole thing going on. And the students are like, why are, you know, what's going on? Uh, they they were burning the Rotzi building. That happened. That was happening across America at many campuses. Right. Um, and then the next so this, day. This was, this was like right after the speech. So they
1: got there uh, well before uh, May Fourth. Then.
5: Well, what happened is the speech happened, and then there was an incident. Uh, there was an incident in town the next night where they closed the bars early and they forced the students out into the streets, and then there was mayhem. And how did that mayhem happen? Well, why did they force them out in the streets in the first place? You know, it was, it was just you know that kind. It was like we are in control. We're going to make you do what we want you to. And the the as far as I can see, the students were, were, as much pawns in this whole fiasco that was going on. They were being played too. So uh, the next day was the ROTC building bomb. That was Saturday night. Uh, Thursday night was a speech. Friday night was the town Saturday night. The, the um, they start burning the, and you, you see pictures with the national guard in front with the fire of the ROTC building in back. They got there that quickly. Right. And, and, you know, there, that, that fire of the Rossi building was kind of odd. There were people that were, you know, on walkie-talkies around there saying, no, don't come yet. It's not on fire yet. And uh, it kind of went out for a little while. And then it got restarted by some people who said they were narcs and whatever. And the, and, and they actually worked with the FBI. They were paid for by the FBI. They were police people. Uh, to to make sure that it went up because they needed these symbols they needed these things to happen so that they could say they did this because of that you know
1: like a mini Reichstag fire basically right I you
5: know I, you know, I don't know that so I can't say yeah but
1: <laughs> well the Reichstag fire led to uh, Hitler consolidating power so this was like a, a pretext uh, obviously uh, to uh, justify the National Guard. Uh, Coming in. Is that it?
5: Yes, absolutely. And and beyond that, this building that they were burning was, you know, decrepit. It was ready to fall. It was like worth only $10,000. It was old wooden structure that was, they were going to be tearing down anyhow. And, and here they made it into this like hundreds of thousand dollar, you know, damage, you know, firebombing. And it was not, it, what is firebombing anyhow? And the people that are writing the reports related to the firebombing, I'm looking through this stuff later and it's going to William S Sullivan. You know, it's sent to him. He was the head the guy of COINTELPRO. Now, wow. why is he looking at this stuff?
1: I don't know, but I got to tell you this. Um, at the beginning, uh, right after the uh, cold opening, I, I played a, a uh, David Brinkley NBC News uh, piece on it. And it was so slanted uh, against the students, uh, the more you got into it. And at the end of it, it said that, that Nixon has uh, ordered uh, J. Edgar Hoover to do an investigation, uh, you know, which is basically to do a cover-up. Uh, he's investigating himself. Probably, it's always I, I,
5: been that. It's always been that. them investigating themselves since day one in all affairs
1: that they do. <laughs> I know, but I, you know, I I played that and I hadn't seen. I remember that report uh, back then, and um, is it? My God, this is a complete cover up. They they are totally slanting uh, the 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 uh, the uh, perception that day. Yes, the perception. And, and so manufacturing consent, as Noam Chomsky would say. And uh, so that
5: was back then. And um, so go well, ahead. Everyone I'm sorry. knew. I'm- I mean, here's the deal. And this is what I'm talking about this year, so we might as well get into it. You know, the government shot at unarmed students, you know, right. and killed them. Those, those Ohio National Guardsmen, they were at the command of the government, they were doing the work for them. They were checking the box for them, you know? Right. And, and, and when you do that, you are actually working for the government. So the government is culpable. The government is responsible. And it, it's always been such a hot potato. Like, which part of the government? Who, who in the government? It's this nameless entity, this machine. And it really is a machine.
1: Yes. Well, well yes. Yes. Obviously uh, and that's a good analysis. I, I, I want to go back to that day though okay. um, the day Let's that happened the day that this happened, uh, you uh, you're 15 years old at the time. Uh, you're, were your parents aware of, of uh, Allison's um, uh, you know her protesting and, and, and her uh, political uh, philosophy uh, at the time and where were they? What was where were they on, on all of this? Uh, well, I, it, basically, the people? sequence
5: of events was first there was, you know, uh, there was, a, you know, the speech and then there was the town and then there was a Rotzi and then there was, you know, whatever. And then there was a killing on Monday. And that's today, 50 years ago. Exactly. OK. Yeah. And uh, at 1220. Um, what time is it right now? Let me look at. Oh, my it, it, God. It's 1130 my time right now. Yeah. So it's it's like right around the exact same time, 50 years ago. Um, wow. I got off the, you know, um, school bus and I walked home because my parents both worked. Um, and, and I go home and my neighbor uh, runs up to me. She says, Allison's been hurt. And, and there's been news people here. And I was like, really? And, and she said, yeah. I, and I was like, what should I do? I was a 15-year-old. I didn't know. What am I going to do, you know? And she says, call your parents. And so I run home and uh, called. My mom showed up later, not much later. And she starts trying to call the universities. First, we called the dorm room. Then we called, you know, anywhere we could at Kent State University. And with all the phone lines were dead. There was no way to get in. And Somehow, my mom heard through somewhere that Kit Allison had been taken to Robinson Memorial Hospital. And so um, we, she called there, and it was busy, 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 and then she finally got through, and they said she was DOA. That's all they said to us. She was
1: That's what they said to your mother on the phone. Was your father in the house at this time?
5: He, he was trying. He was coming home. He was still. He had further to come to get home. But I'll, I'll get to that. And and so she she collapsed and I screamed. I mean, it was just like, are you kidding me? I mean, it's like, and and we're wondering like, what did she do? What did she do? You know? And so you know there's no way to get the news there's no way to get anything and the news people were calling and whatever so my father shows up he has someone driving him thank goodness and 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 we get in the car it's a, it's an, a 90 mile drive from Pittsburgh to Kent and uh, to Ravenna actually to go to the bottle, you know hospital to identify our body we have to go and so we but get wait, there wait, wait
1: a second so he arrives I just want to get this right he arrives your mother tells him I'm sure he's completely – Well,
5: he had heard from his brother in Ohio, in Cleveland. It was on the radio that Allison had been killed before anyone was notified. Okay. And And you notice here the university who we were paying to protect and teach my sister, you know, educator, they never called us, ever. Wow, wow. I mean, why Why would they want to call us? And it's always been that attitude that they don't have to make a phone call or an email or a letter or anything to us, ever. They never have. Wow. I mean, I guess if they just ignore it, you know, it just goes away in their view. Uh, it's a really bad play, though, I got to say. It, it really hurt oh. us greatly, you know.
1: So you uh, get in the car, your mother
5: and – Get in the car. We got the dog, LB, me, my mom, dad. I'm the, You know, my sister and me, we're the only kids. And uh, we get in there, and I'm like, you know, oh my God, silence in that car, and and realizing, oh my God, you know how big this is, and what we're going into, and in our lives have changed for sure. You know, there's just no way, two ways about it. This is big. And we get in there, and there's like military, you know, stuff all over the place at the hospital, and and there's all these national guardsmen and stuff with their regal, you know, with their Guns and stuff, and you know, and we're, we're walking by them, wondering why are they here, you know. And <clears throat> my parents get uh, uh, ushered into a room, and I'm left outside because I'm 15 and they don't want a kid, you know, and to ex- be exposed. But meanwhile, the door's wide open, you know, so I can see Allison's lifeless body there, and I can tell that she's her spirit is no longer there. And as I'm standing there, it seems like an eternity. Um, these guys are muttering and as they were saying, they should have shot more and, uh, they deserved it. The students deserved it. Who who was saying this? The guardsmen with the guns. They were there where they had military people there at the hospital at the hospital. Oh my God telling us that to a grieving family she wasn't even cold
1: <sighs> so uh go ahead so now what happens
5: boy i'm mad at that boy am i mad at that <sighs> 50 years it's 11:30 oops sorry it's okay <laughs> gonna, it's I'm all
1: good let, for it's all good for radio man believe I'm gonna me i'm going
5: to let it go i'm going to let that go because it doesn't help me to hold on to that Anyhow, right. um, so you know, we get back, and my dad gives that speech the next day in the backyard. Yep.
1: So what happens? A, a whole bunch,
5: a bank of reporters come by. Yeah, he or arranged he, it. My dad was always really good at getting the the press together, and uh, he he became the spokesperson very quickly. Right, let's, let's let's let's. One once I want to play that speech again
1: right here, and uh, we'll talk about it on the other side. This is the second time we're playing it, but it uh, is so moving, I got to play it one more time.
0: In the violence that day, four Kent State students were killed. Two were girls. The father of 19-year-old Allison Krause of Pittsburgh reacted emotionally to the news of his daughter's death. She resented being called a bum because she disagreed with someone else's opinion she felt that war in cambodia was wrong is this dissent a crime is this a reason for killing her have we come to such a state in this country that a young girl has to be shot because she disagrees deeply with the actions of her government i want something to be done
1: okay so your father arranged uh, that entire um, uh, event there in, in your backyard uh, that that speech there which is about 15 20 seconds was that part of a broader speech any game uh, that was Speakers? the best part
5: of the speech and he, he lost it on camera uh, my father did yes and it, it as a 15 year old it was a little embarrassing you know because you you, do, you don't want your dad breaking out down on front of national TV um, but I really understood it I got to thank you for for playing that I Many people remember what my father said that day. It was really important that he said that. And everything that he said that day has remained absolutely true since. You know, it's.
1: Yeah, (laughs) well, you know, at some point I'm going to get that entire speech and put it up so uh, people uh, can can hear it it if it's possible.
5: i would love that i mean i haven't been able to find it i don't have access to this stuff and that's a big problem they just won't give us access you have to be a very wealthy organization to be able to get the stuff that's needed for us to really have a a true record of what happened at kent state and jackson state in may 1970.
1: that would be great if julian assange were uh, able to operate right now i guarantee someone would have sent it to him Uh, but now that he's being persecuted and people are a little gun-shy, excuse the pun, to, um, are reluctant to uh, send uh, stuff uh, to them because they're getting the message uh, that you might be next. Uh, we possibly could have that entire uh, uh, piece of footage of your Well, father. I would
5: love to be part of any type of inquiry, anything I can do to help that. And I do support Julian Assange. I think he's been absolutely vilified over truth. And, you know, I formed the Kent State Truth Tribunal with Emily Kunstler in 2010. And mm-hmm. truth is really important to me, too. I mm-hmm. regard him as my brother.
1: Right, right. I mean, so, you, I mean, you know, a lot of people have vilified uh, Assange for uh, showing the uh, war crimes, uh, the, uh, the war logs and the cable gate and other atrocities uh, that have been uh, or misdeeds by uh, Western powers and, you know, all powers. Saudis, Russia, whatever—he puts it all out there. Uh, but uh, particularly uh, interested, I played an excerpt of uh, an interview I did with him at, at the beginning, uh, way back from July uh, twenty-six, two thousand and seventeen, where he talked about Kent State. Because I, he, he uh, apparently in the um, tranche of stuff he's uh, put out over the years, there was something. Uh, that uh, included uh, uh, this uh, this uh, entire massacre, and uh, but he talked with passion about this and talked. It was a flashpoint in history, uh, Kent State that um, uh, helped you know like galvanize the anti-war movement uh, back then. Uh, like Mili massacre was one of them. Uh, Kent State was another one. Uh, And and many like that. um,
5: Well, what really really makes them stand out is the way that the media handled it and the fact that it was on TV. And so average Americans could see the total propaganda being fed to them every night, you know, with the body bags. And uh, it, it, it it, it was the first time that they covered a war like that, you know, where it was in the living room. And it really changed all of us because it's like if that war is going to be in our lives, you know, I don't want to go fight that thing. You know, it's like everyone got that clear feeling as a young person. Right. Right.
1: Right. Absolutely. Uh, And and, and like I said, uh, uh, when you see uh, these war logs, who wants to go to Afghanistan or Iraq? If if we had that kind of reportage, if we had uh, an Assange back in the 60s, because people weren't really. Uh, seeing what was going
5: on. No, no, it was being spoon-fed. And and what I found with all this is the people that really do the, the mixing of what is being spoon- spoon-fed spoon by the media, I think it's the CIA. I think that that's what they think their job is. Well, they've
1: infiltrated free- the news business for a long time, going way back to uh, the Congress for uh, Cultural Freedom. They, they had everybody. Uh, you know, under, under their, uh, you know, under their uh, control, basically. They were paying, uh, even, even novelists like, uh, you know, Orwell was, uh, was, uh, was uh, back then his movie, the movie uh, Animal Farm was financed by the CIA.
5: Oh my God. I can't believe that. Oh, that is just so shocking. So shocking.
1: yeah, well, a, a lot of people, you'll be surprised. There, there's a book, I can't think of it right now, that I read last year, and it's about the Congress uh, for Cultural Freedom and how they infiltrated, manipulated, and controlled uh, news media. And, uh, you know, they, they still doesn't have to. The CIA spent $300 million, but gave it to uh, Jeff Bezos uh, to buy The Post. What do you think?
5: right. I, you know, I, I think that they've had their hand, they've been operating. See, the part that makes me kind of feel funny about the CIA is when I was a kid, I was taught that the CIA operates outside the borders of the United States. Yes. We all thought that. And, and then, and the FBI was in charge of the inside the United States. It was a very clear distinction that they made to all of us that they educated us with. That was, those were the rules. And that the CIA had a, had a really good reason to want to interact in the United States within. And it was a big deal if they did. It was a big, like if they, it was like possibly a problem if they did, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it, you know, there, all these revelations have come out about the CIA, uh, even beyond the church report and, and their reforms. The NSA—they're all—we're all all being spied on. Mass surveillance. This is one of the things that uh,
5: Assange. the church church report is really important to Kent State um, because you know they never really had a a really major conclusions in in the terms of uh, you know uh, uh, they made recommendations like they they said that the you know CoIntelPro had to be you know broken up. Right. But I I think what they looked at into the CoIntelPro you know files that they had i think they really had a lot of trouble with that and right. they and they didn't know what to do and so they just kind of shuffled it to the side and they said okay well we make these recommendations and the people that helped make those recommendations was uh chenny and rumsfeld
1: right that's right that's right because they were uh, they were working with um with uh, Gerald Ford at that time, I want to, I want to get away from that. Get back to okay, your, sister, let's go, let's your go. sister, and so all of this takes place. Your father um, gives the press conference, and and so what happens after that? Did, were you trying to uh, find some kind of resolution? Were you uh, looking for uh, for information that they were repressing? Were you fighting against the official story? Where, where were you and your father and your mother on this at that time? I mean, you're 15 years old. Did you really understand what was happening? Uh, oh, when my sister the, the died, way? I raised
5: my fist. I, I knew exactly what was going on with my sister. I raised my fist when she passed. That was it. I mean, it was. she was doing no wrong. We were all united front. Before my, my, my sister passed, my par- my father was pro-war. He had voted for Lyndon. He wasn't real strong pro war, but he was he was like a weakened pro war guy, you know, because everyone was because they didn't have a leg like, to stand on. I mean, let's get real. And at the dinner table, it was uh, she and me and against them, you know, and th- that was going on across America. Uh, was, was she was she protesting um, back then earlier uh, before um, before the Kent State uh, protest? Was she like an oh, anti
1: war yeah. activist?
5: Well, she went to an experimental high school in Wheaton, Maryland, John F. Kennedy High, and it was a public school, but it was experimental. You didn't have to go. You could have mixed grades and there was no dress code and um, uh, you didn't need to go to class if you didn't want to. Um, And a lot of the teachers had flannel shirts and beards, you know, so it was it was kind of like a countercultural public school that she graduated from. And she was very well loved at that school. And she had I mean, everyone was really together back then. This was 67, 68, 69. And it was a time when, you know, the world was full of hope and phenomenal rock and roll music. And and we were all dabbling a little bit with, you know, psychedelics and whatever, you know, it, 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 there was different uh, smells in the air and, and people were mm-hmm. interacting and it was lively and wonderful. And then there was the war, you right. know, and, and so, um, and everyone was facing it. And I was talking to someone recently, he says, I, I don't remember a day where I didn't think that I was going to be, do- you know, dead before I was 21 because of the war.
1: I was, you know, when that happened, I was, I was 16 myself. I'm, I'm a year older than you. And uh, I got a standby uh, draft uh, number, like 22, uh, when I was 17 or 18. And I never got called. But, uh, you know, it did, uh, that war did uh, radicalize me. I became more political. My cousin was in, uh, was drafted uh, at that time. And he was at Fort Ord. The only thing is he, he had the same uh, kind of background that your your sister had. Uh, one of those schools and all of that, and he was very educated. He radicalized his platoon at Fort Ord. Uh, they they had banners of um, of um, of Angela Davis pictures. He brought Jane Fonda on the base. Uh, he led the Free Billy Smith movement. I, my cousin Ken Durse, uh really was a a radical at that time. I mean, not a radical. I mean, he just was anti-war and a great organizer. Ended up in the stockade and given a um, um, you know, one of those discharge dishonorable discharges. So, you know, that was the influence on me, that whole era, uh, what was happening in the 60s, the civil rights movement. Um, you know, I, I grew up near Watts, uh, all of that after Martin Luther King got killed. I, I, I shook Robert Kennedy's hands the day before he died. Cause he had come through Pomona, California. I cut, oh, school. Hi. Wow. I cut school and he was in an open van, open the, uh, um, what do you call it? Convertible. And I shook his hand, and it was on uh, local, uh, lo- local news. And uh, my teacher <laughs> suspended me, or, or the uh, principal suspended me. But that was all going on, and it was it all shaped. What you know, did you get suspended for? For cutting class to go oh, uh, down I to see. see him at the Pomona Mall. then the next day was the primary and, uh, in uh, California, and of course, we know what happened. Uh, so, um, getting back to that story, so your sister, were you really close? Was she, was she like uh, giving you an education about uh, about the way things were back? the Yeah, World I,
5: well, there was a four-year gap between us, and um, my sister was, you know, really attractive and uh, uh, just, you know, she just had a certain energy about her where she was connected you know, and harmonious and, uh, you know, but she didn't, she wasn't above others, you know, she, she could speak with anyone and and hang with all, you know, and she was just real superior human being, you know, Uh, and, and because, you know, you know, I didn't have all those qualities she had. <laughs> you know, uh, I have dyslexia. I have a whole bunch of different stuff that has been, you know, real. Ch- and she was all, always getting, you know, without tests, you know, you know, everything, you know, and she was just great. I and mean, but she always had a book in her hand. And uh, you know, she really was a curious person. She was a thoughtful person, and uh, she was also well loved. She had a lot of people we seek wanting to be with her, and. Uh, friends uh men and women uh yeah, everyone loved her it and must have
1: been a very tough day for you uh when that happened it must have just crushed you and uh i don't know how you dealt with it my sister died yesterday and it's like um, you know i don't I, I don't foresee i mean she wasn't killed and she lived to be 62 years of age uh but uh it's still like one of those things where, man this is uh, a life uh, changes so I, I, I it must have been for you when you were 15 and this happened the the emotion the raw well, emotion when you're
5: 15, you don't really know what it all means you know um, it's 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 it has a but I did know because I I'm an old soul you know uh, I, and in I have you know I'm a spiritual being and uh, I could see her spirit had gone and I could, uh, I asked for part of it to come in me right. and, and it has been, she's been with me my whole life.
1: Right, right. So
5: right. I, I haven't really,
1: well, you she know, certainly has, she certainly, I mean, you've carried the torch and made, that's her spirit that got into you. You carried the torch. Uh, and I want to talk about the work that you're doing now, but I just want to ask you, how did your parents, um, Go on after this. How did it affect their lives from that point on?
5: Well, I, I was just getting to that. Uh, you know, uh, so we get back home, and and the day after, my father has all the news in the yard, and and he decides that he's going to be suing the government, and uh, he 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 sets out to do it. And my dad was really good at getting stuff done. I I I'm good at that too. I I get that from him, I think. And um, he, he just became very vocal. And uh, I think on Congress uh, in, in Capitol Hill, they called him crazy Krause and yeah. uh, he befriended uh, Kennedy, Ted Kennedy. I, I went, I was in his office. I was Ted, I was a summer intern that, at Watergate summer. That was kind of interesting, but that's another story. But you know, basically my father became um, anti-war through Allison's killing, and he went on to become a speaker about that. I never knew that until many years after he had passed. He, he passed away in 1988, uh, but basically the, he decided to fight this uh, by uh, uh, taking it to the courts, and I remember him saying that he was going to show the young people how the court system works. <laughs> You know, and I looked at him. I was 15. I said, are you sure it's going to work, dad? And it was it was it was a little bit of a betrayal for him that I said that, you know, because uh, he was such a true believer in it. Right.
1: That and reminds it was- me of it reminds me of the story missing the, the Jack Lemon character when his uh, his uh, daughter disappears uh, or son disappears, goes down to Chili's. He's, he's a true believer. And then he gets radicalized. Uh, by the truth of, of the murder of uh, his, uh, his kid there. Uh, by, well, uh, the I,
5: it, definitely my father became, you know, my father was no fool. He's, he, he, he knew what was going on after a little while. I mean, it was like, oh, my God. You know, and it, 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 it's a machine that you're facing when it kills your sister, you know, uh, when they kill your sister. And then you become it. Yeah, if you want yeah. truth and accountability, you become the Julian Assange, you know? Well,
1: that's great. You know, your father went on and fought it. Now, you, I know, as long well, as Well, Wait, I, wait, wait know, let's,
5: Let me just finish pardon. and you know, say what happened. So he, he fought in the courts for nine years. Oh, yes. He, um, he had to take it all the way to the Supreme Court to get the right to sue Ohio because they were a sovereign state. He took it to the Supreme Court and he won. And so yeah. the, you start right over again, and so it was a nine-year battle, and in the end, we settled because there was someone in a wheelchair when Dean Kaler, he he needed to be taken care of, and he wasn't. There's no insurance, no health insurance for people. When the government shoots you, you're on your own. You are really on your own. And so um, uh, we settled, and we got $15,000 and a statement of regret from my sister.
1: Wow. Well, they never apologized. A statement a statement of, regret. of regret for the crimes that they committed. Did ever take responsibility? Did the government ever take responsibility that that was an unjustified move? What they did that day on May fourth. Well,
5: 1970? they haven't. They have never done that because it's not part of how the government functions. But what's interesting is when I took it to the United Nations in 2014. Um, I learned that when a government target assassinates protesters, which is what happened to my sister Allison, my sweet sister Allison was target assassinated by the government. Um, They have to have credible investigation. Well, none of that has happened. They investigate themselves. We talked about that already. Uh, They have to uh, acknowledge what they did publicly. And they have to make amends. And $15,000 for my sister, um, I don't think that that's correct.
1: Um, not even at $1,850, uh, you know, the value of the, the dollar. You know what I mean? It's, it's – it's, it's. there's no – there's really – there's no way they can remunerate, uh, you know. It was meant to insult. You know, and, and the thing is, is that they'd never apologized at all. Nixon never apologized. Hoover never no. – gave a, a proper investigation. The whole thing was covered up. And it, and you can tell when I played that clip with David Brinkley in the beginning that that was the beginning of the media cover-up.
5: Yes. Well, the media cover-up started before they even shot the bullets.
1: Yeah. No, I know. Yes, yes.
5: And and, 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 and they've acted with impunity and indignation since. Like, who are we to want to have truth and accountability Who the heck do we think? So we've had a life where we've been tracked down, where we've been hunted down. The FBI's been up our whatevers ever always. And since I did some stuff this recently, uh, you know, at Kent State for the 49th and got them mad at me, the CIA's been giving me a hard time because I found out when they, they actually appointed Dane Smith, this person at Kent State University, right after the 49th, they appointed a 25-year veteran of the CIA to run the 50th commemoration. No, and wait a second. Are you serious? I, I woke up to it one morning. I, I get on Facebook, and a friend sends me a message and says the CIA is going to be running the 50th. WTF. Yeah. And I was like, I went and tracked it down, and I, I, the more I looked around, the more I found it, and and then I go look at her picture at Kent State University because she's a professor there now, and uh, she's retired from the CIA after working there 25 years. I go, I look at it, and she's got her intelligence picture as her headshot.
1: That's
5: great. At Kent State University.
1: What was the response of other people that are involved or uh, victims of Kent State? Uh, people that are still around, other. Uh, you know, people around you that um, that were were there, you know what I mean? What was their response? People who wanted to be involved in this 50-year anniversary.
5: Um, are you talking about the, uh, the people that were wounded and the families? Yeah. Yes. Uh, they've been co-opted by the Kent State University over the years. And so there are 13 families, and we're the only family that is standing for truth and accountability and not buying into the Kent State University story that it was an unfortunate incident. Let's just move on.
1: Wow. They actually have been co-opted. But uh, that's, that's amazing. But you, of course, you continue. Uh, you're tireless. Uh, you're a, a truth teller. And that, I want to talk, talk about that work that you're doing. I know Michael Moore get to that later is going to be showcasing (laughs) some of the work that uh, you have done, uh, particularly on this very special 50th anniversary.
5: Uh, Oh, you know, um, I, in 2010, um, I got on Facebook and uh, I decided I was going to do the Kent state truth tribunal. I just decided I had to do something for my sister for the 40th. And on January 1st, 2010, I got on, I said a calling for core team members of the Kent state truth tribunal. If you're interested in joining and wanting to work with us, please connect. And this was on Facebook 2010 when, you know, it was fun, you know, it was a totally different world right. and, and you could really connect with anyone, you know? And, and so I put that out there and within minutes I get this email and it says, I'm in. <laughs> and, and I look at it, you know, it's a, a Facebook message and I, it, and I said, I can't, actually it was a, it was a comment to my response and it was from Emily Kuntzler. And, and I I said, can we talk with her last night and her family? (laughs) Uh, She's she's co-founder of the Kent state truth tribunal with me. Uh, We we had a couple of messages and and then we talked on the phone and I asked her, I said, do you want to help? You know, do you want to co-found this with me on January 1st, 2020? And she said, yes and she's a filmmaker and she's extraordinary and yeah. and the background that she brings just from her upbringing is tremendous. You know, it's, uh, and, and the, the way that she is, is, uh, as, as such, I see her as an iron fist in the velvet glove person, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah. She's she's tough. She's very talented. Uh, you know, we, almost every week I play uh, a part of the film she made on her father with, with her sister, uh, Uh, Sarah uh, called disturbing the universe uh, I play this excerpt
2: I suspect that better men than the world has known and more of them have gone to their death through a legal system than through all the illegalities in the history of man six million people in Europe during the Third Reich legal Sacco Vanzetti, quite legal. The Haymarket defendants, legal. The hundreds of rape trials throughout the South where black men were condemned to death, all legal. Jesus, legal. Socrates, legal. And that is the kaleidoscopic nature of what we live through here and in other places because all tyrants learn that it is far better to do this thing through some semblance of legality than to do it without that pretense
1: it is a great film and she really is talented i well, mean you're right the upbringing i know the scene by heart
5: it. i know the movie by heart what scene is that
1: that, no, it's the scene where he talks about uh, legal, about the entire uh, legal system uh, where they have trials in the, to uh, justify uh, what a predetermined outcome. He talks about the Scottsboro Boys. He talks about uh, the Haymarket defendants and uh, Socrates. They were all given a, a trial because tyrants know it's better to give them a trial and then hang them. Uh, so uh, it looks like they've
5: given them they're due. They're
1: all show trials and they're pre yeah. But all right. So.
5: And this is the way it's been since day one, right? Always. Yeah. It's always been like this. It's, it's for some reason we're waking up to this. I mean, no. <laughs> you know, uh, so, um, so basically, Emily and I got it together. We interviewed original participants and witnesses of the Kent State Massacre on the 40th anniversary year. That was 10 years ago. And uh, just this summer, we had everything digitized and we're developing it all. And and people can read it at www.truthtribunal.org. Um, right. But today, what happened for the 50th is really the best news. Um, uh, we were kind of uh, closed out at Kent State University because uh, of the COVID uh, shelter-in-place issues. They had canceled it and they decided to do... Um, a canned commemoration. And my comment to them was, well, why is it necessary to do canned? Why can't we do live casting or at least Zoom, you know, uh, where things can happen? And and for the last 10 years, because I've been working on this, this has been my focus for the last 10 years. And it's been great because it's been a healing path. And, you know, this has been a kind of a deep wound, this Kent State thing and losing my sister. You know, it's just, uh, it's just been a lot. And so, uh, but it's been a wonderful healing path. And, and so I always have someone speak for Allison at the commemoration and, and they've afforded me that. And it's really about all they've ever done. And so this year at the 50th, I wanted to have Mickey Huff of Project Censored speak for Allison Krauss, my sister for her five, for his five minute speech for her. And um, they wouldn't return my phone calls or emails they just gave me the uh, silent treatment. They've disowned me. <laughs> and uh, we're very capable of, of doing, you know, zoom and all that. Cause Mickey and I uh, decided, well, they're not going to get back to us. We, I have to do something for my sister for the 50th. I cannot not do, I mean, I've been working on this 10 years, I, you know? And so uh, I was really in tears about two weeks ago. And, uh, Mickey and I, you know, everything was falling apart and they weren't returning our calls. And uh, we decided, well, why don't we do it ourselves? So we, we put together the Kent State 50th teach-in. And it's, uh, it's been, a, a, you know, t- two weeks of running. <laughs> we got eight uh, people to participate. Um, they, uh, I, you know, I don't have that in front of me right now and I need it. But um uh, we have Jeray uh, McKesson from Black Lives Matter. Uh, we have me, uh, Joe Lewis, who was uh, wounded uh, by two gunshots at Kent State University on May 4, 1970. Uh, we have Joel Ice, who is a protester from back in the day and uh, a political activist and worked in draft resistance. Uh, we have David Zeiger, who uh, did Sir No Sir, the movie, and was has covered the uh, protest GI movement Uh, because basically the Kent State Truth Tribunal and our work is, and for Allison is not just for truth and accountability, but it's also for the protection of protesters today. And so that's why we wanted to have other, we feel that protesters need to have rights. They they can't, a government is just not allowed to shoot at protesters and get away with it like this anymore. That's unacceptable.
1: Right. Or throw them in jail. Listen, I've been arrested many times at, at protests, and that's. What and why?
5: Do. It's it, well, What are they arresting you for? How is that in the first place legal?
1: I, I don't well because they make the laws. That's why they're legal, and they you know, we have a constitution, but uh, the constitution is what the judges say it is. Uh, so you can't take it literally. You got to take it by what they interpret, and they say it's okay. Uh, to arrest their protesters and execute innocent uh, men, uh, steal elections, whatever—that's uh, that's the courts. Uh, so um, this event now, this is online today. Is that it? You got it? Yes, online? we launched
5: in the wee hours of the morning today. Uh, Kent State fiftieth teach-in. Uh, You can see it at www.truthtribunal.org, and the most fantastic news is Michael Moore is endorsing our project and wants to see us out. I'm going to be doing a podcast with him later today. I'm so excited, and he's he's also going to be putting it up at his website later today, Um, and uh, so you'll be able to see it at michaelmoore.com. It's also at project it's also at projectcensored.com. And, uh, you know, um, basically we have, the, we have academic scholars, uh, survivors, and uh, uh, speaking about the Kent State Massacre 50 years later, what it means to us then and now, what it means to the collective what it means to the individual and we're having the kind of conversations we've never had before and because they've never allowed it so we we think we want to expand into this and do it for other things as well but for right now we're going to focus on the teaching and we might actually turn it into something much more than just eight interviews that you'll see today. But we did it for the 50th. We had to honor it. And I, I, it's, it's kind of funky. Uh, and uh, we're trying to get the sound on. We had some problems with the sound on the first part. Uh, but, you know, we did put it out. The interviews are great. And I hope you like it. And to listeners and whatever, you know, truthtribunal.org, take a look at us. And I hope that uh, they'll, this will help others observe the 50th with truth and accountability, as opposed to uh, commemorating the commemorations.
1: Well, I salute you for uh, your uh, dedication,
5: your hard work,
1: uh, your stick to itiveness, and um, your great politics, and uh, you know, for being a bugle out there of truth and justice. And um, once again, uh, give us that uh, that uh, website. It's truthtribunal.org. Is that it?
5: That's right. And it's the Kent State Truth Tribunal. And I know that my sister and I wish everyone peace, protection, and healing in these challenging times.
1: Thank you very much, uh, uh, Laurel uh, Krause. And we'll be uh, talking. You're, you have a busy day today. I got to get this show out there immediately. So I was the first. All right. No, I'm glad everybody's interviewing you. This is a very special day. Uh, And um, to your parents and uh, to uh, your your sister, Allison, uh, of course, we dedicate this uh, program, to. Thank you very much.
5: Thank you. You know, I'm smiling, and I never thought I would be. It's the 50th, and I'm smiling. And I'm so thankful for everyone that they're recognizing what happened on May 4, 1970, 50 years ago today.
1: All right. That's the last word. Thank you very much. We'll be right back uh, uh, for some uh, uh, concluding uh, thoughts.
6: Come to Chicago just to sing. In a land that's known as freedom, how can such a thing be fair? Won't you please come to Chicago for the help that we can bring.
1: Okay, that was, uh, again, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, uh, Chicago. Uh, this is Randy Critical, Randy Critical live on the fly, uh, Assange Countdown to Freedom, uh, a special edition today, the 50-year anniversary of the killings at the murders at Kent State on May 4th, 1970, 50-year anniversary, and that was uh, Alison Krauss' sister, uh, Laurel Krauss, and um, we haven't spoken much, although she did talk about uh, what a hero Julian Assange was. We did play a clip in the very beginning of him talking about Kent State. Uh, we now are going to get an update, as we always do, on uh, the uh, current uh, um, proceedings with uh, Julian in uh, Belmarsh, uh, his conditions, and uh, what's um, happening uh you know, event-wise, and that, of course, is with the Executive Director of the Courage Foundation, Nathan Fuller.
7: Hey, Randy. Thanks for having me. So today, Assange and his, uh, well, Assange's lawyers, but not Assange himself, uh, were back in court by video link, which means over the phone, uh, to see when the judge would postpone the hearing, and the result of today's hearing is that Assange's, the remaining three weeks of his extradition hearing will be held in September uh, and potentially not in a court in London. It could be elsewhere in England, but they have to decide which crown court to hold it at. So uh, that will be decided at a future um, administrative hearing. Uh, But for the moment, we are relieved that Assange will not have to go forward with the May 18th hearing uh, because he's had so little access to his legal team that he needs a whole lot more time to prepare.
1: Yes, yes. And, you know, I, four months is better, I just want to say this, than the six months in November uh, to try to get through this uh, process. So that's that's what's happening. That's what happened today. Uh, any uh, other news on, on Assange before you get to the events that are coming up?
7: Well, right, and so it is good that he, he has more time to deal with his uh, legal team and participate in the legal defense, but it also means uh, that four more months uh, in Belmarsh Prison, uh, where conditions have, were already uh, very difficult, his health has already been deteriorating before the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, and so he remains at serious risk, and so we're very concerned about his health and, uh, and would like to see that ameliorated. And tell us about the uh, events that are
1: planned uh, by uh, Courage Foundation. And yeah, so we've F- been ho-
7: hosting a series of, of webinars, online panels, to discuss various aspects of the case. And Sunday, May 3rd, uh, was World Press Freedom Day, a UN acknowledgement of uh, the freedom of the press. And so we held a panel with uh, Barton Gelman, former Washington Post reporter who had was one of the three journalists to receive the Snowden documents, Uh, as well as Rebecca Vincent with Reporters Without Borders, who's uh, attended the hearing uh, in London back in February. And then Ewan McCaskill, former Guardian correspondent, who reported on the WikiLeaks uh, Cablegate documents back in 2010. And so that discussion uh, was uh, an exploration of the uh, publication uh, charges against Assange and the, the threat that that could pose to press freedom around the world. I see.
1: So uh, you're having the webinars now uh, just about the uh, they can find uh, on on Courage Foundation or Defend.Wikileaks uh, site and other places. You're doing webinars every week. basically, is that it?
7: Uh, pretty much just just about. But, uh, I'm not sure we'll keep that up. But, yeah, you can always check at Defend.Wikileaks.org uh, and Defend.Wikileaks.org slash events for upcoming uh, webinars. Okay,
1: I know. Listen, uh, it's hard to do it every single week. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I can tell you that. Uh, As you know well. Yeah. I can tell you. But we're, we're going to uh, continue here, and uh, we uh, are always uh, happy to have you on uh, to give us the update, uh, not only uh, in terms of the proceedings, but of events revolving around the case of Julian Assange. Thank you very much, uh, my good friend uh, Nathan Fuller from the Courage Foundation. Thanks, Randy. All right. So, uh, folks, uh, that wraps it up. We're not going to take another break. I um, want to thank Nathan Fuller uh, for uh, being a part of the show. I want to thank, of course, Laurel Kraus, the uh, sister of the uh, slain Kent State student, uh, Allison Krause. Uh, and I want to thank um, uh, Jimmy Sutherland. Uh, I think she's doing the editing. I want to thank um, uh, Kelly Lane, who is doing the engineering. And, um, who else? I, I, you know, in memory of my sister, the show is dedicated to the students at Kent state and particularly Allison Krauss. Uh, but, um, also to my sister who uh, passed away yesterday. And, uh, I'll have more to say about that at another date uh, because I'll just get choked up. So, uh, we're going to go out now. Uh, it's Assange countdown to com. If you want to support us, uh, this is not the day to uh, do panhandling. So, Uh, you know, just pass the show around. It was very important that we uh, remember uh, that we do remember Kent state. It's very important. Um, And I think that's about it. Uh, We're going to go out with the full version of Ohio by the full band. Not first time was with Neil Young. This is with Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. And uh, thank you everybody uh, for your uh, letters of uh, sympathy, your text messages and all of that. All right. See you next week or this week, someday soon.